Hey guys, this is Matt. And this is Sean. Welcome to the show. We're meeting at the crossroads of wellness and sales in an attempt to share different mental, physical, and spiritual tactics to attain better results in your life of sales. We're going to experiment, challenge, and discuss what may or may not work for you in hopes to push you to become the best version of yourself. Hope you enjoyed today's show. All right, we are here live and ready to go. Jubal, what's going on, man? What's up, guys? <laughs> Not too much. Happy to have you, dude. Yeah, man. So today, guys, we got uh, Jubal Horton, who is a men's coach and the owner of Jubal Horton Coaching. Started his career as a tech bro like us. Uh, biz dev rep bringing in three of the company's five largest deals and more than a mil in revenue. After... Severe burnout. He left to become a personal trainer and health coach at Equinox in downtown Boston. And then COVID hit. So since COVID, Jubal's been working with founders, CEOs, team leaders, and top individual performers in the tech industry, helping them improve their health and have more fun while still kicking ass at their jobs. Jubal, welcome to the show. Thanks for having me. So let's, uh, we always kind of like to, to get the, the roots and, and get the beginning of where you came from. So in terms of just the, the health and fitness and kind of where that came from within the tech world and, and sort of your, your path to tech and then fitness and that kind of stuff, can you kind of walk us? Yeah. Walk us through so that? my definitely started on the fitness front. I am six one. I love basketball. I have been six one since I was about 12. So I was the center and then I got shifted to the four. And then as I got older and older and older, everyone caught up Then everyone got taller than me. And I was like, a. by the end of my high school career, I was like a shooting guard point guard size with the skills of like a center. And I was like, okay, well, you know what? I'm not good at basketball anymore, but what can we do? Let's get into lifting. So that's how I got intro to working out to nutrition, to all of that kept going all through college. I was the guy in college who would be like, yo, going to come to the party. Got to like hit a workout and then go to the dining hall first. <laughs> Protein shaking hand with like 12 pack in the other hand gains, baby. <laughs> and yeah, I love that. And then also in college, I worked with a couple of small companies, basically helped them go from like, like worked with them as an intern going from like two to five people. Yeah. So I got a, like hooked into the startup culture a little bit. And when I graduated college, I was like, you know what? Don't want to go full on corporate, large company. Don't want to work in finance. Like a lot of the people I was at school with tech is sexy. Tech is fun. Let's go that direction. Yeah. So like you guys said, I got a job as a BDR ripping cold calls that and like i was really good at my job successful did my thing i was also like working out at 5 30 in the morning getting to work at 7 working until i would stay at work from like 7 to 7 most days but i wasn't doing any work after like yeah. 3 mm -hmm. i was just there because i felt like i needed to be there right i was trying yeah. to you're you're Playing Pretty football and ping pong. Tossing the football brain. around the sales pit. It, there you go. Shotgunning IPAs. <laughs> <Yeah. the> <laughs> and 
so like did really well in sales. And at the same time that I was doing all of that, started going to the gym a little bit less and I started not eating as much as healthy because I was never home. So I would just grab whatever we could get or whatever was in the kitchen. I'd have some beers after work. And I was also super stressed because sales is what it is. And I wasn't basically wasn't taking care of myself. I wasn't eating well. I wasn't sleeping well. I wasn't exercising as much as I used to be. And Sort of jump, jumping through the the tech side and the sales side. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But I think I, just yeah. to kind of talk about a couple of things you're saying as you're working through that, uh, you're one of a few of the guests that we've had who come from an athletic background. I think Matt and I, similar to you, I was always a lacrosse guy. I was a football guy. I've also been about the same height since I'll probably say 15. Um, so I kind of know that dynamic of, you know, going through puberty earlier than everyone catching up to you a little bit. But it's interesting. So many people in our world come from being an athlete. We get into sales or competitive. Then we, for, we forget all the things that made us good athletes, the preparation, being healthy. It was, uh, we had Brandon Fluharty on and he, he correlated everything to his life as a soccer player and stretching and, and how that prepares you for the day and whatnot. And then we get on the other side. And then we're doing all the opposite things. We're doing all the things that the non-athletes were doing. They were eating like crap and sitting on their butts and not doing all the right things to prepare. And now it's full circle that then the world that we're living in in COVID that's created this dynamic to allow you to kind of focus on certain things now makes you say like, well, why did I get away from all those that right? And, and, and that's the huge gap that we're all seeing. And, and do you think that's the case? And, and Jubal, I'd love to hear this from, you know, your clients and stuff. Is it just a factor of the culture that it's not trained? It's sort of this work hard, play hard. No one is telling you to eat healthy. It's almost like whatever you go out with your customer, you eat, you drink, you, you entertain. Is it just that or what do you think? Yeah, I think it's the it's very much the work hard, play hard culture. And what you as an athlete, you would hypothetically know. But then we forget once we get and move away from the like the ball sports, the athletics into the sales is in order to play hard. You also need to do all the other stuff, eating, sleeping. Yeah. The exercise, the stretching that Mm -hmm. preps you for the game. And so we just like, there's a disconnect. And I think too, because it's a, it's a mental, now it's a mental game, right? I can, hypothetically be out of shape and 400 pounds and still closing deals. I don't need to be able to run a mile and and not be out of breath. But at the same time, I think there's that, that divide too of the physical affects the mental. And that that was just that old school mentality, old school sales mentality that I'll just drink a cup of coffee, grind through it. And the two aren't correlated. Yeah. I mean, the best athletes, the mental, like you look at, all of, you look at Tom Brady, you look at just retired. I know, hypothetically. Um, all right, <laughs> yeah. Allegedly. Yeah. You look at all the best athletes. They've got <laughs> coaches. They've got coaches because they're working on the physical game and they're also working on the mental game and the performance side of it, like the mental performance side of it. And when you're in sales, it's all mental performance. And you need to do the same upkeep. You could argue you need to do more of the upkeep yeah. because 
Yeah. Yeah. And I think, well, I think it's almost like a, if you're again, going back to Tom Brady, if you're thinking about if it's, is it's as if he only, I think you convert to sales. It's as if he only watched film and didn't actually do the working out. Like mm-hmm. that's what happens is you can go over and you're only doing the sales play sales play over and over again in your mind, but you're not actually exercising it. And I think that's the part that happens as you get over here and you're not actually doing the healthy side of what makes you confident and healthy and your body, right. And your mind, right. And, um, again, when you're not traveling, like we are, uh, that all comes off very clear and evident when you're talking to someone without seeing them over zoom, you can probably hear someone talk or give a pitch and you know, this guy's probably <laughs> overweight and struggling and depressed versus <laughs> hearing someone who has that just voice that fills a room that you would hope that would be in a room, but like you, you can actually hear that across, uh, you know, the audio versus when they're just on the other side. And I think that's what so many people have forgotten, which is why there's, you know, the opportunity for someone like yourself to be like, my job is out there to go help dudes in tech who are struggling, you know? Mm-hmm. And I think there's a huge opportunity there. Cause again, it's never a focus as we continue to talk over and over again as athletes that we're only focused on one thing. We're not continuing to reiterate the, the, the foundation that makes someone an athlete makes someone successful in sales, um, is not just the sales play itself, but where are you mentally? Where are you physically? Are you getting sleep? Are you depressed? Um, and it, and there's just more and more, it's like every day Matt and I are talking and, and to more and more people like yourself. And it's just great to hear that this is just more and more open. And then more people are openly talking about it without the dilemma of like, You know, my can't boss, ask for a mental health. My, my boss is going to judge me, you know, and more and more people are, are having that discussion. And I think that's, what's most important. And I'm sure that's exactly why you kind of kick, kickstarted things to say, there's, there's an opportunity yeah. for me. I here. mean, COVID broke so many norms and so many habits and so many systems that have been in place for a really long time. And one of the silver linings, one of the gifts, one of the positive things to come out of that is that like you push people to a breaking point with mental health, with physical health, and suddenly they're forced to do something about it or it gets really, really bad. And I think a lot of people hit that breaking point at the same, at the same time, like in middle of 2020. And that's driven a lot of the conversation that we're having now that we've been having over the last year, year and a half. Okay. This, the mental health side matters. It's tied to the physical health and from a individual contributor standpoint and from a company standpoint, Oh, Hey, this also matters for your bottom line. Yep. What are your thoughts too on just the shift of, well, I think a lot of these guys are used to traveling and I use my personality and person and I'm good there. And then that's completely taken away. And now it's like, well, you better figure out how to sell virtually. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> it's, it's definitely a different paradigm. Like you've got a, like, I'll probably say this a bunch of times, but you've got to have fun with it. Like you've got to go, it's yeah. a lot more like cold calling than it is, which is the background I come from. So I'm a little bit more comfortable in it than it is mm-hmm. going somewhere, having FaceTime, being in the same physical space and you've got to yeah. leverage, leverage what you got, which is like your face, your personality, your voice to just 
like have fun in the situation. Treat I always like no matter who we're talking to, no matter who's on the other side of the Zoom call, or the other side of the phone call, like treat them like it's one of your close friends, and then you're probably going to have a much better connection. Yeah, it just makes it breaks down that quick barrier of of the awkwardness of a cold call versus if you're you're walking into a room and having a meeting and shaking someone's hand and saying hi, like it's very easy and to be cordial and everyone's kind of relaxed versus a cold call can be very awkward on both ends, especially if someone says something and you're like, oh, I don't know how to respond. You might as well, a, a good friend of ours, um, still I'd say one of the best cold callers I know, he was able to, as a BDR, cold call literally, and he was making friends with bank tellers up the East Coast till he got to corporate. <laughs> but you meet this guy and he's just, authentic so authentic <laughs> and he could literally make friends with all the bank tellers to where they're like oh, i'll just get you to corporate don't worry about it and it was like and, and it, he he had fun with it but he was genuine about it too and i think that was pre-covid anyways and it was incredibly successful I mean, he's one of our better bdrs and just like yourself he was able to um create the it was the biggest deal in company history and he had fun with it but now everyone has to do that because we can't just have the meeting in person. It's fewer and far between people are opening up, but you just have to treat it like that. It's a, it's a fun cold call every time you're, you're talking to someone or every time you're almost emailing with someone too, because you got to make it fun and creative that you don't seem cheesy, but you seem authentic in a way of building connection with someone who can be, it's hard. This yeah. is a bit of a tangent and it's please like that entry into the initial conversation. Uh, so like, very classic American thing to do, which I only realized because someone from Germany told me I did this and she was like, all Americans do this. What are you doing? Was we're like, Oh, how's it going? We're not actually asking how it's going. We're saying, yo, what's up? And then yeah. that's hello yeah. versus if you ask someone, Hey, how's it going? Or someone asks you that and you pause and actually take the time to respond like, Oh, you know what? It's going pretty good. Sort of tired. I had this going on, but super excited to talk to you. Just that tiny bit of personal is it like sharing a little bit about yourself in an authentic way. You build so much connection that way very, very quickly. Yeah. Yeah. I think, uh, I think another piece too, that a lot of us on zoom calls, we're used to treating it like a phone call. And now we're realizing, okay, when it comes to, if we're not going to meet these people in person, we got to, get more comfortable on camera. We got to have a good sort of set up a good background. Um, but one of the challenges I think too, is that a lot of the prospects, at least that, you know, we're talking to, they're not really sharing the camera too. So what are your thoughts on just that dynamic of like virtual meetings where it's like, okay, I'm showing myself, but I'm not able to read their body language. I mean, is there any, anything you're doing there? Like maybe even incur, even going into meetings like, Hey, if you guys are, could everyone kind of, I mean, you don't want to force people to have their cameras on, but it's that's, also a judgment call of like, yeah. do they open up with the camera or do they not? Right. That's one piece to, I'm trying I'll to figure out too is, is I would love to see people's faces. Yeah. You know? I mean, I'm, I'm working as a coach, so it's a little bit different. It's not, it's immediately collaborative where I think sales isn't inherently. I know, I know with zoom, when you set it up, you can set up like automatically start with the camera on. That's something I do with all my right. meetings to set that expectation. And like, if they don't want it on, turn it off real quick. But yeah, like just setting that up. So it's not even a question. It's just like, Hey, this is the way we do things. This is the way we're going to interact. Um, and you can always ask permission, right? Like 
hey, is it, can I, is it okay for you to turn your camera on? It'll make it better. Yeah. We're going to both enjoy you- this more if you turn your camera on. Like- <laughs> yeah. And it's, and it's a weird balance. And that's one of the things I have unintentionally, my zoom picture, which comes up if I'm not sure my camera is a picture of me and my wife on a mountain. And it's like just a picture, a trip that we did before. So I think it's nice because it's not just my headshot on LinkedIn, you know, just my very professional photo. It's like, it's a, it's a picture I care about. Personal of, one, yeah. It's very personal. And I probably 75% of the time when I jump on a call with a partner or uh, a client, it, we kick it off, especially if no one's sharing the camera, someone asks about the picture and it's great. Cause then it just immediately is a way to turn it into something personal, talking about traveling, talking about, something we did in college, whatever that might be. And I found like, like, well, I'm never changing this. Cause I originally thought I'd have it up there for a second and then turn it into like a new headshot. And like, oh, I'm yeah. never going to do that. Never going to make it a professional headshot. Like I've been, the headshot I have on LinkedIn is from five years ago. I'm like, I want to update that, but <laughs> like zoom, like let's keep it personal. It's, it's driving conversations to kick off on like a, a fun adventurous way to talk about things that you do enjoy that has zero to do with selling software, which is kind of nice. And, um, but it is hard because you can be selling to marketers and customer experience people who are probably always going to be jumping on camera or right. be selling into it. And some people are never going to open up their camera. Um, so it's a weird uh, dynamic. But um, one thing I really just kind of want to ask you is so, so as a coach, what type of engagements do you find yourself in? Like if, if you've been doing this for a little over a year, I think what's your typical engagement look like if Matt and I were saying, Hey, do we need some coaching? Like what are you typically working with people on, um, and helping them through from a coaching perspective? It's yeah. Typical engagement from like a logistics perspective. I, I was a personal trainer for a long time and I'd have people come in and be like, okay, like let's, Let's do like the bare minimum to test this out. And they said they'd work out with me for like two weeks. They'd be like, I'm not seeing results. What's going on? I'm like, yeah, it takes longer. <laughs> and so I, same thing as a coach now, like, look, if you're not like, we're working at minimum three months together because that's the amount of time it takes to start to see results from any kind of health change because any, almost every single change you can make for your health is a lagging indicator. Basically what that means is you do the thing weeks later or months later after that initial action, if you continue to do that initial action, then you're going to see results. And our brains are really, 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 really bad at making that connection of like, oh, hey, I'm losing weight now because I started eating vegetables two months ago. And so just that time commitment is one piece. As far as what we're actually working on, it's three things. It's we talk professional, professional relationships, professional, like, what do we want to accomplish similar with health? What do we want to accomplish in that three month time frame with your, with health? And then what do we want to accomplish on the fun side? Because that's people fall into this trap of like, like if I asked you guys, I'd be like, okay, what would we, I'm going to ask you guys, <laughs> um, ask Sean, away. what's like, what is something you want to do for fun in the next three months? I'm going to be honest. Mm. I want to go on a, on a trip. It's been way too long. That's another thing too, that zoom picture I'm talking about. That was like the last real trip we took, but I would really love to go on a trip with my wife. That's something I want to do for fun. Matt, what about you? 
Well, it's it's funny you say that because that's we're we're planning a trip to Europe. It's a delayed. Are you and Haley buying a trip to Europe for Caitlin and I? Because that would be awesome. Well, I would love to not have to pay for that. You broke the surprise, but it's for four. Ah, there we go. What a guy. Maybe five. Oh, if Juba wants to come. Okay. There we go. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um. But but yeah. I mean, I think to to your point there, that's super important because having something to look forward to, and I've definitely fallen into the trap of you. You go so hardcore with diet exercise um all this discipline stuff and you just completely forget to have something to look forward to and that just that just makes i mean it's like almost like what what is the point here because you get you have to you have to be one of the biggest things that i struggle with and i I, i'm trying to work on almost every year is being present and like enjoying the moment and disconnecting from work putting the phone away like when i'm around my kids and not thinking about okay, well, what's going on with this deal? Or I got to answer this email. It's almost like that need to be Mr. Responsive. Like I gotta, I gotta be the guy that responds right then. And it's like, no, you don't, you know? Yeah. And so. I'm also hyped at how quickly both of you guys were able to answer that because something that I, <laughs> something that's good, discussed. Cause that's something I see a lot is like health goals are immediate. Like I know where I want to be in three months. I know where I want to be in five years. Professional goals are pretty quick too. I know where I want to be in three months. I know where I want to be in five years. Then as soon as I'm like, hey, what do you want to do for yourself? It's not about your health, not about your professional life. People are just like, ah, shit, I haven't thought about this. And yeah. it's it's partly have something to look forward to, have something like reward yourself, celebrate the wins. It's also, I call it the dinner party rule. Like going back to your example of having a picture on Zoom, Oh, this is something that makes you interesting. And so if you're, if all you do is work and pursue your health goals, you're going to be the most boring person at the dinner party. And so in, in the, so far, oh, I, yeah, I, what I, I will, it, it's this dynamic that like I grew up and I, I would say I had a bunch of hobbies and, and then your college and do this. But like if someone two years ago to be like, what would you say your hobbies are? I'd be like, and I just had a kid, podcasting. But then, like, but I didn't have it then. And it's interesting because, like, I don't like play music. Like, I just didn't have anything. It's interesting now because yeah. if, when things get brought up, I love talking about what we're doing now. The last two years, and it's awesome. And then because you meet people, and they're like, "Yeah, I, I hell ski, and I do this, and I do this, and I've like played with Rolling Stones." You're just like, Jesus! So many people are like doing all this crazy stuff, and, like. It's nice now to have something that Matt and I've been working on for a couple of years as that part of, uh, you know, dinner conversation party to be able to talk to something, some something that you're doing that's very interesting. I love the fact that we do have this because sometimes you're like, I'm just a parent. I mean, I love every bit of it, but like that can occupy so much of your time on top of work. Then you're like, well, what? you got to do something yeah. for yourself and you got to do something for your your marriage to make sure you're just continuing to like push on there and not just focus on like, what's your W2 at the end of the year? And what's, what am I doing for work the next day? And there are a lot of people that I'm sure you coach that that's all they're focused on. And you're like, there's so much more to life. Yeah. It's not worth it. Right. Yeah. There's more to it. I think uh, the book example is another one of my favorites of like, when you ask someone what they're reading, either they're reading nothing or they're reading something for us. It's like going to be about sales. There's going to be about tech. Right. It's like, what about for just for fun? If you enjoy reading, go yeah. take a, go read a non-workbook. And with the non-workbook, it's a good point. adventures, <laughs> like 
going in, out and doing fun things. That's what gives space to have really cool ideas, to solve problems that you can't necessarily solve just by staring at a computer screen for two hours. Yeah, like if you look at my Audible playlist right now, it's 90% business, self-development, sales, and then like forcing myself to be like, all right, I'm going to buy this like autobiography. Ooh, on Treasure on Island. Ben Great Franklin book. or something like you know, like you do that and it is interesting that, but you still find yourself going down that rabbit hole of like only focusing on those things that are like business related and you got to like make a change. I will say, and I think I was listening to a podcast not too long ago and it was interesting. I forgot like the comment was essentially made that like podcasts 10 years ago. Cause when you think about it, like Apple's been doing it for a while and I just feel like podcasts haven't really blown up for the last few years that like podcasts were kind of looked at as this like mundane, like, only a way to like get you through your commute. And now it's a news outlet. Now it is audiobooks. Now it's like information. I think like there's a, been a big adjustment there, but one of the things we had talked about just before we started recording was like, you know, there are some, whether well, it's Tim Ferriss or Joe Rogan that do these like four or five, six hour podcasts that do occupy a lot of time. But then the flip side, you're like, why didn't I just listen to a new book or read another book? Like that probably might've been a little bit better too. But I do think there is something to be said for the adjustment that podcasts have made to be able to like take in knowledge that you can actually turn into something or get your mind working versus versus just like something to just listen to it, like the radio on your way to work. Yeah. I mean, I, it definitely, there was like, you know, every year you set your goals, I'm going to read this many books, but the way we're consuming information now is almost like, does it matter how many books you read? Cause you could be reading, you could be watching a YouTube channel, you could be doing podcasts and you're still learning stuff kind yeah. of throughout, but I know what you mean. And then you kind of get into this trap of almost like, well, any free time I have, I gotta be learning something about my profession, something. And you just kind of get in this, like, I can't watch TV. I'm, I'm wasting my, all, all this free time I have. So yeah, you know, Jubal to your point, it's like, you got to set time. Wh where's my time to kind of disconnect and, and listen to a podcast or read a book. That's nothing to do with sales, nothing to do with business nothing to do with personal development and just something that's like entertaining. Yeah. You got to have fun too. And it's, I don't know, last year was also, at least for me. And, and you, you know that, um, like I had a lot of like, almost like deaths of people that were like my age sales reps, um, you know, athletic background, just kind of like a lot of sudden deaths, like three hit in a row. And one, I didn't know too well, but, but Sean, Sean knew that that family as well. I think, yeah. and it just, it, it's just like a wake up call. Like, okay, what really matters here? And if I were, you know, gone tomorrow as dramatic and kind of morbid as that can sound like, okay, well, let me just sort of reevaluate my priorities. Cause we just get so wrapped up and, and the perspective gets so messed up that a lot of times, sometimes these things happen. You go, Whoa, okay. Yeah. I need to, I need to enjoy every moment that I can. And that's why it's so important to do disconnect and all that. Yeah. And I think I was actually talking to someone about it today. Like, while you're thinking about that way of living your life, like you have to be smart about living within your means. Cause there are plenty of people that live well outside their means, but right. then there's plenty of people that we know who live just so underneath and like only talk about saving till they're dead. And then you're like, but what's the point? Right? The millionaire deck snore. I do not. Yeah. Like <laughs> I want to enjoy life. I, I, I don't care about having a nice car, but like I would love nothing more than good food and, a, a nice house and all that stuff like that's you know important to me as well to just you know, 
enjoy all those little things too and not just be like, I'm going to save every penny until I'm 65. No, absolutely not. But I'm also not going to spend a bunch of money to where I'm like, now I'm broke and now I have to overwork and be depressed and drink too much and be an alcohol. There's a sweet spot. Because that's what can happen is the, is the roller coaster of sales. Oh, I've made a huge commission. I'm doing so well. Boom. Two years go by and I've had two of the worst years ever. Like, and that can easily happen in, in our profession of, or of sales. Start a new role. Now I got to ramp for a year before I do anything and that can happen. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so for you, do you find yourself, are people reaching out to you? Is it through your network? Like kind of going back to some of your engagements, but like, how do you find, and I love the fact that you just kind of call it out, like helping dudes in tech, get healthy and do more fun shit. Like there's no, I don't know if this guy's really up to like, there's no, there's no buzzwords in there. No, you're like, this is what I'm focused on. And I think that's important. Like my core focus is this. And I think there's so much under beneath that. That's important. But I love the fact that that's like what you're, you call out this, your focus and whatnot. But for the people that you're working with, do you find it? It's people just kind of know you through your network. Are people reaching out to you? Are you just kind of, you've built kind of a brand around yourself and you know, people are organically reaching out to you. Like what's, what's that look like? Yeah. It's, combination of two things it's <clears throat> excuse me it's like i originally started doing this because i got calls from friends and they were like yo dude i know you're i know you're like you're a personal trainer can you help me out with my coach with my health stuff because i've been i'm i'm, I'm sitting in my seat at work staring at my home gym that i haven't been in in six months what do i do here what do i do about this that's how it started and so i get people that i've like friends of friends, friends of friends of friends. So just the old connections through tech. And I do also have people reaching out to me. Like you guys have my LinkedIn back up there. Like I have people reaching out to me through there. Yeah. Those are the two main ways, just referrals from people I've worked with referrals from friends and through LinkedIn, which has been interesting but going from a sales guy who could just, again, rip cold calls to Hey, people have to know who I am, have to create a brand around myself, have to share what I'm about. It's been an interesting adventure. Well, and you, it's nice too, because you get to be able to help on both ends of the spectrum, right? And we've talked about this many times before where a sales manager is just really focused on your metrics and whatnot. And they're not, you know, the sales manager of tomorrow is hopefully going to be focused on the, the health and wellness of their, their team. And then a typical coach or trainers focused on, all right, let's get you in the gym. Let's do this. But then maybe nutrition, whatnot, but they're not maybe getting into the, the, are you sleeping well and whatnot? And then you're someone who's kind of comes from the sales tech background, but also the, the, you know, personal trainer background and be able to kind of combine the two. And I think that's, again, what's most important is, is putting those two together and having that coach, because I think it's rare. Like Matt's the kind of guy that can go to the gym tomorrow morning and work out and crush it without anyone else. I can't do that. If you sent me to the gym today, I'd be like, I'm going to go stand on the elliptical for 15 minutes and stretch for 30 minutes. Like, I just can't do that. That everything that I do from a athletic perspective is like following a program, a, a, one of those classes that you go to and you have someone that's working you through. So like, I'm someone that I have to have someone like Jubal to like walk me through that. And I think that's the rarity 
of that self-motivation and determination to do this day in and day out and kind of have a core focus. But most people need someone like yourself that can help. But then for you being able to help on both ends of the spectrum of knowing the sales side, tech side, as well as personal trainer sides, just like critically important for so many of us dudes. Well, I, I think too, I mean, also from like, from my perspective too, it's, it's a lot, uh, it's, it's so on autopilot for me. I've done it for so long that it's not, it doesn't take much determination or drive really to do it. It's a, it's almost like a, a computer program that just keeps running. Okay. Just get up and do it. And, and for me, like that is a, that's kind of like my playground. That's like my release. That's my, I don't like, I mean, I'll do the programs and stuff like that, but it's like, okay, Hey, here, just, just go have fun, do whatever you want. Kind of, that's why it's, it's early. There's no one distracting me. And, and it's more for me mental to keep my, keep my head right than anything. But you're the kind of person, I think it's Jocka that made a comment about something along the lines of the people that are like, have it built into them are the people that have to intentionally make sure that they take the rest day versus yeah 99% of the rest of the people, us and myself have to intentionally be like, I need to work out tomorrow. Matt's the kind of guy that needs to probably intentionally every once in a while be like, I need to take a rest day. Like that is pretty much never happened to me. And I think that, I imagine again, that yeah. in sales and I've seen this in sales is that it's not 99 one. <laughs> it's a lot. It shifted a lot to like the classic goat, like work hard, play hard, go harder, go home. And so you're either doing it like seven days a week or you're doing it zero days a week and there's no middle ground. And like, it's never, it's not sustainable. It's like, okay, I'll start on Monday. Go really hard Monday. Go really hard Tuesday. Go really hard Wednesday. Wow, I'm looking sore Thursday. I'll just skip it. Uh, you know what? I skipped yesterday. It's Friday. I went out last night. Yeah. And then it's like, ah, uh, you yeah. know what? It's the weekend. I'm just going to start again next Monday. Nope. And it's... I'll wait till next January. Exactly. <laughs> like it's, it's February. I haven't been going to the gym for a month. Like I wanted to, but you know, I'll start again next year. And it's a really easy trap to fall into. And it absolutely is a trap because it doesn't, it never matters when you start. And it doesn't even really matter how much you're doing when you start, whether it's working out, whether it's going to sleep at a certain time, whatever habit it is that you're doing for yourself or doing for your work, the smaller you start, the more sustainable it often is. And it's like, you don't need to be there tomorrow. Yeah. But we do need to get there eventually. And the only way to get there eventually is to continue, like keep plugging away at it every day. And, and we, and we've talked about that too, again, with the comparison to the athletic side where you said it earlier on, if I work out today, I'm, I would love to have a six pack tomorrow, but that's not going to happen. You know, it takes time. And then we've, but we've also talked about the negative side of I had a bad day. Well, had a bad day today. I mean, I'm not like depressed or anything. Then you have a bad week Then you have a bad month. Oh, I'm fine. Like I'm, I'm not. I'm, and then what happens? Same thing. You wake up on the end of the spectrum of the positive side and you have a six pack and you had W2 to a million dollars or you wake up fat and out of shape and depressed. And it's just hard because it does build up. And without having acknowledging that on a day-to-day -day basis, having an incredible coach to have these conversations that aren't just only focused on one thing of, how many cold calls did you make today or how many reps did you do today? The overlap is just what's just so critically important in having those as sales metrics as we've even relayed again, perfect world. You'd have your sleep hours and your whoop 
interconnected with Salesforce. <laughs> Obviously, that's you know future that thought, but they vary. But it's like, hey, it's it's probably already happening. You know, people are monitoring us, but that's what's going to be important in in our lives and our careers as we get more and more remote, and and being able to make sure that all sides are connected in in a good spot. Versus, you did really well this month on your job and closed a lot of business. How's everything else going? Oh, it could be going really awful and then that's going to catch up to you soon so um and i think too sales can be deceptive in that you could really not be working hard and treating your body like shit and you land a whale and then you just made the most money you've made in your career and and then you're like well did i really work that hard for this like yeah not really whereas you work your ass off for like an 80k deal 50k deal way harder than you did for that whale that just took some time to come up because you see it all the time. Like the people that come to, you know, they land some whale at the end uh, and they make president's club and everyone's got to stare at them. Like, dude, you didn't really do anything. Man. I've never met that person. <clears throat> yeah. Schmuckus. Yeah. Uh, but it's true though. And then it can just to that person as well. They might think they worked really hard for it. Right. And they see this big commission check come through and they're like, I'm fine. And then six months go by they're you know, on a pip and you know not doing so well and they don't have an outlet to discuss all these things and i think so i've got a hot take that i'm curious what you guys think about bring it so hot like sales especially work hard right hard work grind it out do all the things and i think we can get really trapped in this view of it has to be hard like what if what if you could be just as successful, ninety percent as successful, hundred and ten percent as successful by I guess we'll say working easy. It's just like Tim Ferris. You've been you said you're listening to all those Tim Ferris podcasts. What's this four, like four hour work week? <laughs> yeah. I, I, I okay. I don't know if, is that the end of your thought? It sounds like you have, I would love to hear what your thoughts are. Well No, I and I well yeah. I, I think it's hard because going off of still what Matt said into your comment, like it's the work harder, not smarter. And I think it, it's no matter what, it's always a combination of the two because they, I've found the salesperson that I talked to that closes a big deal and legitimately thinks they worked really hard for it. Yet they were probably bluebird or just stars aligned type thing. Yeah. And there's, there's always some lucks. And so I think that's the hard part. I think what's the, like the harder you work, the luckier you get yeah. is a comment I really like, you know? And, and I think you don't, but it's a balance. I don't want it to be me working a hundred hours a week to turn into that. luck. I think it needs to be the dynamic of like, you're, you're doing what you're told and your company pays you for. And I do think that pans out. There's always going to be the salesperson who gets lucky and, and doesn't work that hard and make something. There's going to be a salesperson that probably works too hard and doesn't reap the benefits. But I truly think it's a the harder the work, the harder you work, the luckier you get. Um, but then someone in sales ops could sit there and say, "Well, Jubal, he closed 110 percent of his number, but his Salesforce metrics said he only made these many calls. Like if he had actually worked harder, he could <laughs> have made 220 percent of his number." I've literally most of my career. <laughs> But I, I and I think it's hard. Depending on your company and your sales ops team, it could ne- that could never happen. I worked with someone, and I 
not a fan of this, but like he was a sales ops person and leadership came in and they pretty much were like, who should we fire? And they're like, we should fire Sean. And he's like, well, Sean hit 150% of his number. Like, well, based on his metrics, he didn't really work that hard. He should have hit 300 and legitimately fired. And I was like, that's an awful story, honestly. Like I didn't like hearing that, but mm-hmm. I think there is some truth into that. And that's where I believe it. It's, it's a balance between the two. Cause then it's a question of, all right, then you are working less and maybe you are doing some beneficial things on your side on the side that for you, which is good. But in a lot of these scenarios, you're still getting paid by a company to, to do something. So I think that's where it just has to be a, yep. a delicate balance of your efforts. Right. But I don't think you should overwork yourself, but I don't think even if you hit 110% that you should just kind of look back and be like, well, I'm good for the year. Yep. See ya. Um, I mean, my take, that's my take on your hot take, Matt. I, my take is that it's also very dependent on what are you selling and what is your role? Because if I'm a strategic account manager and I have five, you know, fortune 50 companies, like, you know, what Brandon talks about a lot, you're going to do a lot of deep work on these accounts. You're really going to know them. You're going to get a couple, you know, eight, nine figure ARR customers. Um, and that's kind of like, that's kind of how you work your business. Now, if you're, if you're a transactional SMB mid market seller and you're closing, I don't know, five, 10 deals a quarter or, or even a month, or if you're, you're selling some of these, if you're like, like an insurance salesman, that the more appointments you have, the more um, policies you write, like that, that, there's a lot more you can kind of track there. So I think it's, is is dependent on sort of like what you're selling, how big are the customers, how long is the sales cycle and how much do you really need to, to kind of dial in? Because I think if you're more of a transactional seller, you may have to like quote work harder in terms of the hours and the output. But if you are more of a strategic seller, maybe not so much because you're just kind of zoning in on a couple, you know, a couple small, like a small quantity, uh, but kind of going really deep on those accounts. Yeah. And yeah, and I, I agree. There's going to be a sweet spot there. And for me, the question always is like for myself, for my clients, for random people I talk to, because I like talking about this stuff is how can you, how can you make the, the things that the inputs, the hard work pieces as easy as possible for yourself. Like when I would, when I was selling, I would, like I said, I'd come in at seven, leave it seven, but I wouldn't be doing any productive work past three because like, yeah, I do my best thinking in the morning. I do my best, like all of the most effective work I do happens in the morning and in like before 3 PM. And I can work hard in that th- like three to seven mark in the afternoon, or I could like bounce out, take an hour to do something, take two hours to do something, and then get just as much work done of, with like two hours of jubile time and then two hours of work versus four hours of trying to work hard or like trying to slam my face. Yeah. In the computer. I, well, I think it, it, it going again, combination of kind of what Matt's saying too, but I think it's almost, it's more evident when we're, you start talking about a BDR. So I say that because you have, there's always the dynamic of, do you want the smile and dial or do you want the high EQ and someone who's taken time to write the best email or have the, the talking point? And it's interesting as I found myself in a scenario where we had a, a BDR manager and she always talked about I would rather my sales, my BDRs write the best email in the world, right? If they write five emails, I'm like, you know what? I'm, I'm, I kind of agree. Like I was kind of like that was a BDR. I wasn't the world's best cold caller. But then 
her boss's boss was a smile and dive dialed person. So mm-hmm. I knew that was never going to work. Um, but I think to your point, if I, if my BDR and I've got a great BDR right now, and I think he is of the, I'm not just going to write some cadences and hit boom and have a thousand emails go out today. He'd rather spend the time and effort to your point of working smarter. And if honestly, if he did everything that I thought was the smart, smart, hard work and was done by noon, fine. Like, like you said, go get some jubile time. I think that's where I think it's more evident. Sometimes it could be harder to like find that delineation when you're talking about a sales op. Cause there's only some, so many things you can do on a daily basis versus once you start talking about, reaching out to accounts and all that stuff. It's, it's a little bit different, but, um, and, and you know, t- to your point, Jubal, like, like looking at well, from seven to seven, what am I doing? It's, it's super important for people to take an audit of their day and say, what am I really doing from, <laughs> from seven to seven? Like, what am I doing and how much freaking distraction and time am I wasting? I mean, there's all kinds of studies out there about, you know, how much work people really do in an eight hour day. And you think about all the notifications you get. That's what we had a, you know, podcast talking about um, device fasting and getting away from, you know, eliminating as much notifications as possible. But it's like, yeah, just audit your day and like literally write when you do something like write it down, right? Like write down your full day and you realize like, holy shit, I'm wasting a lot of time scrolling through something or talking to this guy or checking this notification. And I mean, that that's a, a big thing that I struggle with too, is just there's a like someone pings me on teams or then someone calls me and then I got, and I got to answer this email and you're kind of like, all right, um, I, I am really this year trying to work on the discipline. Like when it's time to do this, like I'll put my phone on silent, I'll close this, I'll do that. And that, that's like the whole deep work thing is, is just focus on this. And I found it's it, again, I think environment influences it. I think whatever application you're, you're working off of influences it. Like I found myself, I was more productive working off of G suite than I have been with outlook. Like mm-hmm. I was always a zero box, zero inbox guy with Gmail because I thought it was just very efficient the way you did it versus now I'm like, I don't know what it is mentally or what, but I found myself, I'm just going to pin that and come back later, put it in a folder and come back later versus Mm -hmm. when I was using G suite, it was like, is this email going to take me two minutes to respond? Yes. Boom. Done. All right. If it's longer unread, come back and I could crank it out that day. And like, I'm going to say this, like the amount of times I look back and I've like started a draft email and I haven't gotten back and I'd, day or two or whatnot, or pin something I haven't got back. It's just like interesting how your environment plus whatever applications might be using can also affect that. But without having a good system in place, it can make it very hard unless you're structured or then going back and writing everything down. And then now I've gotten big into whiteboarding where it's just like having your to-do list and checking it off is still to this day, I think the most efficient way to get stuff done. It does. And there's, there's nuance. There's, there's nuance to every single, list system works because it's going to work a little bit differently for every person. And I think it's less about let's find the perfect system for everybody because it doesn't, it doesn't exist. Exactly. The best thing, like everything you do, treat it like a science experiment. Like, is this working for me? Yes. Cool. No. Can we change it to work a little bit better? Do we just throw it out the window? Yeah. And that's where I think the best, I think the best, sales teams should have a two-way street where like, and we've done this back when Matt and I worked together and everyone did a Myers-Briggs and you kind of, which is a, again, there's a million of those out there, but have an understanding of not only your fellow team members of what drives them and how to communicate with them. Cause that's important. But I think 
what's always left out, I feel like, is a lot of times the, the sales manager is not always doing it too. And I think it's critically important for me to understand if Matt's my sales manager, like him to do his Myers-Briggs, using that as an example, to be like, how should I communicate with Matt? But he should also take the inputs of all that of communicating with Jubal is going to be completely different communicating and how do I drive and motivate Sean? Um, I think that's, again, something of the way the future of the best sales managers know how one person is rewired versus the next. But then the flip side of making sure I know how to communicate properly with my boss. Cause I've struggled with that too, where my manager pre COVID in office all the time, me and him, it was so easy. Then COVID hit and then we literally butted heads and then we kind of took a hit the reset and realized it, which was kind of nice to just acknowledge it. Like, let's, yeah. Hey, let's cut it. Let's start over. And it, but it was interesting that being outside of the office completely affected the way we communicated and, and with each other, which was, which was tough. Um, I mean, because if you look at most leadership, a lot of them just bump up because they were a top performer. Well, you want to slot up here and there's no emotional, you know, intelligence qualifications or how well, how well can you read people and kind yeah. of play off that? Yeah. It's I almost agree. like it's more important to manage the people than the numbers. Mm-hmm. Yeah. We're Shocker, right? <laughs> yeah. Like, like we said, like, what if, what if your one-on-ones had nothing to do with your sales metrics, but you're just like making sure, all right, Matt's in a good mental state. He's going to crush it this week or this quarter. Like every other, every other one-on-one is this one's sales metrics. Next one, mental health, you know, mental and wellness side. All right, good to go. Or just, or just kind of break it up like that. Like here, here's the structure of the one-on-one. We'll have pipeline meetings, but you know, this, this time's about you and how, how can I help you? Can I offer something either? you guys to anyone listening in on the management side. So my all time favorite question that I use with my clients is what support do you need? Opens the floor. It's entirely focused on them to simply say like, Hey, maybe it's a deal. Maybe I'm super stressed out about work. Maybe I'm like exhausted because of something else going on. So I'm not going to be able to show up as well. Like it opens the floor to them to tell you what they need, which then means that you can support them better. And when you support them better, they're happier, they do better at their job, all the positive outcomes. Yeah. And I think one of the things that I, I've done is the concept of like last week, this week, and it's just the quick bullet points of like, here's what I accomplished last week, or here's some core focuses and here's what I'm focused on next week. And again, it's just thinking three to four bullets, send to your manager and it's just like normally deal focused, but typically the last section out of last week, this week is what do you need for management? So I'll call it like, I need you to follow up with legal, but it's nice to just like, it's always like a, an agenda for our one-on-one to be able to work through those items. But having that as a specific item to call out of what I need from you as a manager is nice. And then if you know there's nothing there, then it might say you, you don't need anything at all. And it's, again, it turns it into a topic as, as it's top of mind, but like, like you said, to your point, it needs to be asked no matter what. Yeah. Otherwise, a salesperson doesn't want to ask because then it makes them seem, I need something. I can't do this on my own. Right. You never really want that. Oh, Brad. Yeah. I think a lot of times, too, in the in a scaling sales org, you may have a, a manager that's just got too many reps under them and they can't devote enough time to you. So you kind of feel, especially in a, in a remote world, like man, I'm I, like uh, I pushed this one on one. That I've only I'm only doing like one a week. Did, is there something wrong with me? You know, like like those kind of thoughts can come through, especially when I'm when I talk to a lot of our our younger reps too that may 
check in about about stuff um that can be common too so i think that's just normal in a in a scaling sales org too but yeah it's it's super important just to have that that hey let's you know what can what can yeah. i help you with and sort it, of not calling it help is i think is also something i found important because guys salespeople, just a lot of people right now like yep we hate asking for help <laughs> and so if you don't frame it as hey yeah. do you need help then it's a little bit easier to have that conversation yeah i think it was when we were talking support to, uh jeff risley and it was interesting we we're talking about something similar where it was yeah, your his engagements with people and he said a lot of the times it can be a sales manager that reaches out and as a sales manager, you don't want to have your team think you're in a tough spot. But the way you stated it is a lot of these people reach out and they say, I know if I'm having a tough time right now, my team is. Mm-hmm. Might, yeah. He maybe not, maybe he hasn't discussed it with his team, but I think that was a great baseline of like, I'm struggling right now. COVID's hurting me. This is hard. So if it's hurting me, I have a feeling it's hurting my team. It's probably not discussed. Let's engage. Let's talk that. about this. And I think sometimes it's nice to have an intermediary like a, like a Jeff or Jubal to like kind of bring it in. So it's not so much the individual contributor or boss being like struggling guys, <laughs> you know, like then, then the team's like, huh? Like, and again, it is, it's, we can laugh about that, but that's kind of part of it too. No one wants to break down that barrier. So that's why there's an opportunity for, for you and others to come in and be that, that mediator to be the one that talks about it. So everyone starts opening up, but you're only going to get the people that want to open up will open up. There's always going to be people that won't. Yeah. Yeah. Lead with vulnerability. Yeah. Well, I know we're coming up on time here, Jubal. So any final thoughts of wisdom? <laughs> you know, guys, I think- yeah. And where, and where can people reach out to you as yeah. well? Um, yeah. I think I've given you all my thoughts of wisdom that I've, yes, uh, <laughs> <laughs> we appreciate all of them. Um, as far as where people can find me, I'm on LinkedIn, just LinkedIn at Coach Jubal. Luckily, I've got one of those names where if you Google it, you're probably going to find it. And then depending on when this comes out, I do have a website going up in a couple of weeks, jubalhort.com. Nice. Just my name should be in there in the podcast somewhere. So find me there, guys. Um, Well, Jubal, thanks so much. Love what you're doing out there. And, uh, We'll let you know when this goes awesome. live. Sean, Matt, thank you guys so much. This has been fun. See you, Jubal. Have a Cheers, good one. Guys. Thanks for listening to today's episode of Optimize Sales with your hosts, Matt and Sean. We hope you enjoyed today's show and we look forward to bringing you more health and wellness tactics to make you the best sales rep or sales leader possible. If you enjoyed this episode and you'd like to help support the podcast, please follow us on Instagram at Optimize Sales. Share it with others. Post about it on social media or leave a rating and review on all major podcast distros. As always, you can head over to OptimizeSalesShow.com to check out all the links and resources in the show notes. That's all for this episode. And remember, optimize your mind and body, optimize your pipeline.